Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, Poddleters. Welcome back for another episode. Uh, Just a pre-warning, this one was recorded on my little handy recorder because I had to go over to Grace's house as we couldn't figure out any studio time. But I have all the faith in my fantastic producer, Spike, to make it sound just as good as all the episodes. So with that out of the way, I'm going to tell you about this week's guests. It is Grace Campbell. Grace is a comedian and activist. She is the co-founder of The Pink Protest and just all round, very well knowledgeable young woman. Um, She's also the co-host of Football and Feminism uh, and Everything in Between with her dad, Alistair Campbell. And this conversation is is kind of about how to educate your parents or people around you who maybe aren't quite as invested in feminism as you are. However, we do go off on lots of tangents. Um, We talk about female masturbation and we talk about lots of other vagina-related things. So it is is quite a... um, a raw chat, I guess. So if that's not your bag, then beware. Otherwise, please enjoy the episode. And as always, please do rate, review, subscribe, and let me know what you think. Happy listening. Hi, guys, and welcome to Adulting. This week, I'm joined by Grace. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm very happy to be doing this. Me too. We're just sat on Grace's bed and it's quite sweaty. It is quite sweaty. (laughs) We've had to close the door, so it's hot in here. Yeah, it's warm. Um, So, Grace, do you want to tell people who you are and a bit about what you do? So, my name is Grace Campbell. I'm a comedian and an activist. I co-founded something called The Pink Protest, which is a, a female activist collective, and we've worked on different campaigns on period poverty and FGM mainly. And I'm also taking my debut stand-up show, Why I'm Never Going Into Politics, is the title of the show, up to the Edinburgh Fringe in a very short time. That's so cool. And it's so cool because you're the same way to me. I bet mm. you're doing so much. I no, you're doing so much. And maybe Stop we're it. all just doing so much. We can't <laughs> see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what led you to come into activism? I think it's such a new role to have it as part of your, it's such a millennial thing, but to have it as part of your roster of things that you yeah. do. Like you're like me, your job isn't just like one thing. Yeah. You've got a myriad of things. But where did, how did activism start for you? I suppose it was quite natural. It was... Because I grew up in politics and I grew up with parents who are very proactive in like change making in different ways. Both my dad, who's a guy called Alistair Campbell, like he worked in government, so did my mum. My mum's also an amazing activist and she's campaigned a lot on loads of um, issues surrounding state school education and improving state school education. So I'd watched them do that like my whole life. And then when I found feminism, I was like, oh, okay, like I, I also have this burning desire to like, say what I think and try and make a difference. And then I met Scarlett Curtis, who's my best friend, and and then the pink protest sort of slowly evolved out of us having conversations about the fact that we thought our generation, as you know, are incredibly activist. Mm. They just don't necessarily call them that, that yeah. all the time, but they're really engaged in politics. We're all, like, signing petitions, going to protest, like, supporting other activists that we like 
on Instagram and stuff like that. So we just wanted to make something that was a kind of fun, cool way to like bring activists together. And it's, it is fun. And there are so many incredible young women at the moment, like doing stuff just in their own way. Yeah, I really agree. And I agree about how it's almost under the radar how aware we are of everything that's going on. So like even just little choices we make, like we just won't buy certain things or yes. we'll know to do. And even my mum will be like, but how do you know? And I'm like, I don't know. We just kind of look deeper. I think we're we're, we're quite happy to check beneath the surface of things. Yes, I agree with that actually. And I don't think about that a lot because that is a form of, activism yeah you know not not indulging in brands yeah who don't align with your views and going back to um what you were saying about starting up the pink protest and stuff so how did you when you first found out about feminism what was your my gateway into feminism was through instagram being like i want to post bikini pictures and if i do i'm gonna be called a slut and it all came mm. from that slut shaming angle so i was like no i want to be able to be one sexually liberated but also not judged for posting this because of xyz so it was a very like um, surface level understanding of feminism but it was my gateway into getting yeah. into the deeper more important issues although it's all important obviously what was your kind of first angle in um that's a really good question I feel like I was always quite a feminist even as a kid um, my mum's such a feminist and my mum raised me to think sort of certain things like I am really anti-marriage because my mum has just taught me that marriage is a sexist institution and so, so I, I know I will never get married it's like one of those things that I know for sure are your parents married they're not married but my mum's been doing this campaign see she's such a cool activist She's now worked on this campaign to make civil partnerships legal for heterosexual oh, yes, couples. That's cool. So that her and my dad can get a civil partnership without having to. Basically, she thinks the history of marriage is very sexist. Yes. And it's religious. Yeah. And if you're not religious, like, why would you want to get married, like, in a church and stuff like that? Um, so I had that growing up. I had loads of amazing women, like, who worked in politics. Like, Tessa Jow was my godmother. And so I, I grew up around amazing women. So I feel like there was always this thing in me that I knew mm. I was just as good as, if not better, than men. And I still have that to some extent today. But the first thing I was like... I remember I worked on the No More Page 3 campaign. Did when you? I was, like, 17... And it was, I'd started like reading about feminism and, and I was doing it at school. And then the woman who started that campaign lives around the corner from here. And I remember getting in touch with her on Twitter or something and being like, I'm a feminist, I go to Parliament Hill School, like I love to get involved. And I, I went to a few of those meetings and would like help them with social media. That was my first look into like, this is something wrong in terms of page three is an awful thing yeah. that we still have in like one of the biggest tabloid papers in the country. And here are some women who are getting rid of it. And now they've gotten rid of it. I, do you know what? I'd actually completely forgotten about page three. And that I is know. just so weird when you Isn't think it? about it in a newspaper. And it, it wasn't even that long ago. That is so bad. No, it wasn't it Wasn't it when I was when we were at uni. Was it still a thing? Yeah, it basically it finally got gone like three, four years yeah, ago. Yeah, it really wasn't that long yeah. ago. And what was mad about that was it's like a kid could have just opened up the paper yeah. and on the third page, just, just a naked woman. Um. So do you think that, because I definitely had so much internalised misogyny growing up, I definitely thought my worth was in my looks. Like, I've always been quite smart, but would never want anyone, I didn't think it was cool. But now I'm like, that's so fucking cool. Like, the more intelligent you are, yes. like, that's amazing. So I've had to do so much unlearning and even now mm. undoing. Do you think that you've maybe come at a place, did you, do you feel like you've had less unlearning to do, which is why, maybe coming onto like, the topic, you're able to then, like, educate your dad and and... 
Do you think because of the yeah. position you started in? I think that, I think probably, yeah. I, I, I mean, definitely I had a lot of unlearning to do. And, you know, even on stuff like pubes, it mm. took me a really long time to work out what I actually wanted to do to my pubic hair. Like for years, I was just doing stuff to my body because I thought that's what boys wanted yes. and then only like a year or two ago did I actually realize what I wanted to do with my pubes and fair enough it is to get a wax but it was like <laughs> <laughs> but it was like in my own way yeah. so I had a, a moment of like retaliation and I was like fuck that I'm not getting a wax because of men and yeah. like to please the male gaze so that was one thing I've always found masturbation like shameful yeah and that was something that growing up when I was doing as a teenager I always had a lot of shame around so so there were like things that in the last I would say like two years I've really had to unpick and work out why I've been feeling this way and how common it is oh my god I love that you brought up pubes because I find it so fascinating because like the history of why women shave is literally because Gillette or some other brand decided they can make more money if they targeted women. So they literally did an ad being like, you're cleaner if you shave. And that's where it all started. For a razor that's so much yeah. more expensive than the men's Exactly. Well. So that was the only, it was literally because women buy more, women obviously spend more. And it was like better for capitalism. The whole reason we shave our pubes is capitalism. But I completely agree. I was trying to figure this out as well. So then I grew out a full bush and I was like, I actually find it quite itchy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't like looking at it. Like, so yeah. I, what I do is I leave a strip. landing strip, same. And my favourite thing in the world is getting my bum hole wax wait I don't I, I just shave I don't reach oh my far. god you shave your I pubes. think my um skin there has like because I used to get I think it's just adapted very see well. mine is like if I shave oh, no mine's, mine seems to be very rashy. chill about it now it oh, used to when I was younger I think the skin I genuinely think it must be something to do with must have just adapted. evolved yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've evolved with the razor. And um, totally masturbation is, is, still, is still such a shameful thing. And I have to even... The other weird thing about that is you've almost got to be careful. Even if you've come to terms with it not being shameful, you can't actually put that into conversations with certain people because other people get secondhand shame. So it's not even like in every circle you can just bring it up like you could about a guy. Yeah. I know select friends that I could be like, oh, lol, whatever. But that's not every everyone. Well, it's so interesting because I had the honor last night of interviewing Catelyn Moran oh God, on amazing. her book tour and it was like truly one of the best evenings of my life she is I mean she's one of the reasons I became a feminist yeah. actually I like that how to be a woman when I was a teenager I learned so much from that but we were talking um on stage about how we're both very lucky for being these people who have always been like yeah I wank and what yeah. like yeah I'm gonna talk about wanking but actually some women don't and a lot of those women don't have a lot of pleasure in sex when and there is a relationship between the two things totally and when I not even that when I spoke to a gynecologist about we were talking about using a menstrual cup which is what I use and she was like when I tried to talk to patients um about using one some women won't use one because they literally don't want to touch their own vagina oh, that's awful and um, she was like often it is women who are slightly older so not even that they won't talk about it they literally won't, can't bring themselves to self-penetrate or touch themselves, which is the most horrendous thing when you think about the fact that it's okay for a man to put his body parts inside of you, but you can't fathom the idea of being able to self-pleasure. It's so entrenched in society, women enjoying anything is just... And I think as well, like, from such a young age, we're shamed around our vaginas. So, oh, like, yeah. they have hair, they bleed, 
we can't touch them because it's disgusting. We don't look down there. I have this bit in my show about, oh, it's, it's basically this poem I wrote, I wrote and it's called Looking My Vagina in the Eye. And it's basically, <laughs> it's basically about um, how society told me to like hate my vagina. So I avoided looking at it for like my whole teenage years. And then when I got a bit older and I looked it in the eye, I fell in love with it. Aww. And then like my whole relationship with sex and like pleasure changed. And I do think there is something in just sitting in front of a mirror and just staring at your yeah. vagina and like getting to know it because it's a part of your body. It's actually to some extent the most important part mm. of your body because so much goes on down there. And why do we like disrespect our vaginas so much? It, even just looking but it's so funny because you know that boys all look at each other's willies and yes. all talk about it and at school they'd all talk about who had a big willy who had a small willy what shapes and stuff and like that was absolutely fine for all the boys in the changing room to like grow up around looking at each other's willies and like that definitely would have taken away some of the shame obviously some of it would have been stigmatised but I remember being on a train we must have been like 17 and one of my friends doing a wee and she was like what does yours look like and we showed each other oh my god they all look really different yeah because really we didn't different. know and like how weird is that that it took us like being in that stage where you're first starting to drink and you're like, that should just be like, I know, it's, just it's your so interesting. It wasn't actually until I remember there's this thing called the Vulva Gallery on Instagram. Do you follow yeah, them? I They're think so I know, cool. Yeah. And they draw loads of different vaginas, basically. And I was like, oh my God, they look so, so different. different. You see that pot there? My boyfriend made me that. It's my vagina. Oh, my God. What yeah. does your boyfriend do? Oh, he does nothing to do with art, but he made uh, it. I don't want to say, glass. oh, he does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, he works in pharmaceuticals, but That's he um, so cool. made me that pot. Did you do a cast? Or did no. You? That's just for memory. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is it? Is it got a good like, likeness, do you think? Sort of-ish. <laughs> I think it looks like those shells, you know, the shells. Like a conch shell. Yeah, that's it. It looks like, like a conch shell. The ones shell. in um, Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> so um, great. Anyway, yeah, he made me that. Oh my God, my boyfriend really needs to step up. <laughs> I, I mean, it's the only thing he's made me, but... That's nice. It is nice. He's so proud of it. He shows everyone. Oh my it's God. so cute. <laughs> this is my girlfriend's vulva. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you started talking about wanking more widely because I know that's your piece in Feminist Soma Pink as well isn't it yes. the female wank <clears throat> did you have like especially in front of your family and stuff were you was there was that shame had you gotten over that or do you still struggle with it or you know what yes it was definitely the shame was there when I was younger so the, the way I became more comfortable talking about wanking was because with the pink protest girls, Scarlett, Honey and Alice, we all realised a couple of years ago that we had this very shared experience of having wanked like a lot in our teenage years but never spoke about it, so always felt this sense of shame. And we all started talking about it and then we started this thing called Girls Wank Too. And then oh, we did yes. like some events and we got loads of like artwork commissioned and it was all about destigmatizing female masturbation. And that was the kind of like moment for me mm. where I was like, oh, now I can talk about it. And it was through doing that that I became more comfortable like talking about it in front of my family. And I think there is a thing with my family where like I've always liked to sort of shock them. And so when my parents come and watch my comedy, like they do grimace a lot because <laughs> I like shocking people, including them. But I think I've always been quite good at being like, even when my dad doesn't want to know, talking about how heavily I'm on my period. Yeah. I think it's so good that, and it's you're, it's good that you've got that shock factor because a lot of people won't have the courage. It's only taken me, it's only through doing this and other people talking about stuff like this that I've had to just be like, fuck it, I'm going to have to talk about it now because yeah. I'm not going to tell them off and yeah. I can't disengage and be like, oh, I can't talk yeah. about that. <laughs> 
And then eventually you just think about it and you're like, it's literally touching a piece of your body. Yeah. Like, the weirdest part about the shame thing is it's like, no one's going to know. There's not like a little no. camera. Or like- I think it's because we're taught that we get pleasure from other people. Yeah. And so we're taught that like sex is all about penetration or getting pleasure from like a man usually that's like what we're taught in sex education at school and there is something a bit like disorienting at first Mm. about doing it yourself and and being on your own and having pleasure on your own um so yeah I do and also we're not really taught about it at school no it's just the weird the weird thing is it's just any shaming even like touching your own vagina but it's like why even like I remember when the, we first talked about putting a tampon in with my friends, we were like, "Ugh." Yeah, like, I know. That's so random. It's your own. It's like touching your mouth. I know. I know. I, I don't really know. I definitely think for me, part of it's Catholic. I definitely think it's religious. Yes. Like undertones in that, and it is. It's it's black and white. How much it's different for guys and girls. I also think it's generational. So we yeah. were we were raised by a generation of parents who like aren't as comfortable talking no, about these my things mom's as so us. Prudish. Exactly. So I think it will be different when, like, we start having kids. I think about what when I have a child all the time, like, Same. what I'm going to talk to. And then I think it was Sarah Pascoe who was like, I'm going to talk to my child so much about sex, I'll blatantly go to have sex the first time and just see me. And I was like, that's going to be me. Because I'm like, do you want to talk about that you're going to have sex yeah. if you are? Like, just tell me about it. And how was it? And they're going to be like, I fucking hate her. <laughs> Like, where do you win? We're going to fuck them up in some way. I know, I know. For sure. We're going to go the other way. I'm going to... If I have a daughter, she's going to be fucked up. Yeah, it's so stressful. It is stressful. working the other way. So, I guess this is the thing. So, if you guys don't know, um, Grace's got a podcast with her dad, and it's absolutely fucking amazing. I love it. I got so excited to listen. And I think the reason I find it interesting... Well, first of all, actually, I'm not that close with my dad, so it's quite nice to listen to someone else who's got a really good relationship with, with their dad in, like, a different way. And... I can't because he's just, he's probably a similar to my dad, Jay Holds, but he sounds like my dad. And the fact that he can talk to you about the things that you're talking about, and it's gone past the point of like understanding. He actually finds it funny. He really understands the nuance. I I want to get to the point where I'm quite good at doing it with my mum, but that's because we're so close that she can't avoid, but almost like changing with me. Yeah. Because otherwise she got left behind. <laughs> so she just like something she does like a bit shocked, but now she just knows. To just swallow it. Yeah, and, and like, then she just kind of gets over it. But my mum's like that. Yeah. <laughs> how did you get to this point with your with your dad? Because I bet so many people are like, oh, I wish I could just get my parents on a level. Because I even, like, forget the generational gap with Brexit, but, like, within your own household, sometimes there can be, like, quite a lot of, like, visceral energy between what we think as millennial women and what our parents think. Totally. So what happened, yeah, is basically last year my dad was doing a show on LBC about feminism and he was asking the question can a man be a feminist he was hosting this show and I called in and like basically it was all like unscripted I didn't know what I was going to say but I was like this is just two jokes he's hosting a show on feminism he is not a feminist like he's so unfeminist I get at him all the time for not being a feminist and so I called up and I like called him out on radio for different things that he does so like he does nothing around the house and he uses the excuse that he can't do anything. So, like, right. he can't use the Nespresso machine or, like, he <laughs> can't use the toaster. But he just doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, the other thing was periods. He hates when I talk about periods in front of him. And he still calls women birds. And I called him out on these three things. And it went viral. It was, like, mad. Because I think what people loved was that this is such a relatable conversation, Mm. like a girl having these conversations with her dad and that those are things that our dads 
are they, they don't like talking about yeah. periods. They are from a generation where women are more likely to do stuff around the house and they probably do call women things like birds. Um, and then from that, he was like, became quite willing to learn. He found it very funny, but then he was quite willing to learn. And he now, like, which I find amazing, he'll um, call me up to like ask me about something and mm. if did he deal with the situation correctly and it's always that he did but he's just like really like he is just really eager to learn and it's been really sweet like watching him do the podcast because he he's obviously like watching himself mm. now because he doesn't want to like slip up and not be as feminist as he wants to be um so I think with him it's it's maybe partly because like he loves he you know, his career has been so interesting mm. and it's spanned over a long period of time and he's still very kind of present in public life now. But I think he knows that the world is changing and I think he wants to change with it and it's probably not the same as it was when he was in Downing Street and was Tony Blair's press secretary. But he wants to be, like, always kind of modern, which is why he, like, tries to do Instagram, even though he's terrible at it. Um, so I think, yeah, he just kind of likes to learn. I, I do, he's he's not perfect, but I do really love that about him. You can tell that he's got a lot of respect for you as well, which I think is the nicest thing, because he really does less. I think if I, if I said it before, so my dad, well, me and my mum will tell my dad of something, and he'll turn to my boyfriend and go, women. And my boyfriend's like, um. <laughs> I'm like, dad, you can't say he's like stupid women. And we're like, oh, he just doesn't care. He's got such bad white man syndrome. I don't think he listens to this, anyway. <laughs> such bad white man syndrome that he wouldn't even either he's too far gone yeah there's no there's just no in with him I don't know how I could possibly but the, on some things though it's weird because it isn't black and white there are some things where he is actually quite feminist he'll be really fair about certain things or like in sport he's quite good and like he'll say something I'm like oh that's quite feminist but then it's the mundane things a bit like the birds things or yeah just thinking women are, or just automatically a bit stupid but then he contradicts himself all the time but there's just this inability to think that his opinion is wrong yes he, totally in, in any way whereas your dad seems like he is quite receptive and I think the benefit like the benefit for that is if men like him are, are, are listening there's so many women like us talking like this but there's very few middle-aged men yeah but also my dad wasn't always like that like this is the thing it has been a really I think it's also partly because it's really like bonded us mm. him wanting to know about this stuff and wanting to understand this stuff but he in the past I mean I've called him out so much for like interrupting women talking mm. over women mansplaining those kinds of things and I don't know I just think maybe I just got it into his head so much because I've I've been an outspoken feminist since I was about 15 16 years old so that's 10 years ago. And it's just taken a long time. I've just broken him down. Yeah. And I plan on doing it with my boyfriend. And I plan on doing it with any man I come into contact with. You just break them down slowly but surely. But just... I feel like your boyfriend must be quite feminist to make you a piece of pottery out of your own Yeah, brother. he is. But, like, I think I think all men can do with improving a bit. Yeah. Like, but, like, all white women can. It's like, whatever yeah. your privilege is, there's always some, like, more work you can do. I think that's what happened with feminism. I was like, oh, we get it now. It's about equality. And then you learn about, like, ableism and racism and homophobia totally. and everything. And suddenly there's a whole world at your feet of things that you, like, have to keep learning. And I think it's interesting because the more you research and read up on it, when you get so obsessed with it, you think everyone's there with you. And then, like, we were just talking a minute ago about, like, how echo chambers and you think everyone's going to understand. And actually, it is nice to hear from someone like your dad who 
isn't quite as far ahead. Because sometimes I get myself in conversations and I'm like, how do you not... I know, I know. Why is this shocking to you? I know. But I also think what one of the biggest things, which I think my dad is good at and I think I'm good at and I'm sure you're good at, is admitting when you don't know everything and being like, oh, I'm willing to learn about that. You know, like... I, Jamila Jamil calls herself a feminist in progress and I love that and mm. I think we should all be feminists in progress because I'm constantly improving as a feminist I'm constantly learning about like other things that I need to know about and different voices that we need to be listening to and not talking over mm. and when you're taking up too much space and you should be listening to people not shouting um, and it's like a constant thing so don't say oh that's it now I'm a feminist I'm kind of done with becoming a feminist keep reading keep listening to different people because there's so much more out there and I think for men that's a much harder trait to have um because they are more likely to be desperate to be right all the time I I do also think that it might feel exclusive like I do think that sometimes it's quite hard to include men because I get this whole like you know when people like not all men and it just immediately fucks me off because I'm like but it is like you are part of a problem it's systemic it's not about you whatever and I'm actually quite bad sometimes at calming myself down and explaining things to people who like really aren't anywhere near what I'm thinking like Mm. when when men are attacking me about stuff and I'm like I could really just calm down and like explain it in a nice way but I just get so like I know annoyed that I don't have the emotional label or energy but I do think that sometimes like guys probably do want to learn more and like we've all grown up with the same conditioning I say this a lot about people that like men that are our age they there's so many things that I've had to unlearn they're obviously going to have to unlearn double as much but if we're not opening up the conversations to those people we're just going to make it more divided and I think what's really good about the pink protests and a lot of things that you and your friends do is it's like it's not this one idea of feminism, like it's enjoying the Spice Girls or it's seeing yeah. all the fun bits of being a woman. Because I'm still just a 25-year-old woman who's like having fun. And mm. sometimes you talk out too much and suddenly people want you to be like, work, not working all the time, but... Being, having an answer to everything. Yeah, and sometimes I just want to go out and get drunk mm. and wear a really sexy outfit with Completely. my friends. Completely. And like, that's my feminism. My feminism is like, fundamentally, I believe in equality um, in all forms, I believe that men and women should have equal opportunities, equal pay if they're doing the same job. They should be treated equally in all environments. But if you want to be a feminist and get a boob job, then do it. Yeah. Like, that's your feminism. It's all it, For me, it's all about choice. If you want to be a stay-at-home mum, it's your yeah. choice. Like, we shouldn't prescribe how people should live their lives. It's just having this fundamental idea of equality. Um so yeah, I mean, I'm. I watch Love Island. Oh yeah, same. I, I love can't it. Help. I did. I but this thing you almost punish yourself with feminism sometimes, and I think you actually see it a bit with Jamila. Like you know, when you first learn things about feminism, you become so ardently feminist. Like you think about your pubes, and like, I'm going to grab my armpit. I'm never going to wear makeup again. I'm not dyeing my hair, and then all of a sudden you're like, actually, that's almost more oppressive than trying to do the thing that's by a fem- feminist definition, like a patriarchal oppressor. You know, sometimes by not letting yourself enjoy capitalism. Yeah. Like, you can't live. And I think... But it's also just do what you want to yeah. do. Like, don't do it because you think that that's what you have to What's do right. to be a feminist. Yeah. Like, just do what feels right for you. Um, and I would say as well, like, for me, it's the kind of slow evolution of, like, working out what I want to do with my pubes, working out if I want to use a moon cup deciding things how I'm going to use my body and treat my body in my own time um and I think everyone gets there 
I also think it's come so far, but I think what happens, especially because of technology, everything changes like exponentially faster. So whenever I like hang out with my mum, she's like, your life is unbelievable. I can't believe you get to like, you have so many choices of clothes. You can go to eat in so many restaurants. And it actually really humbles me because you think like her life was like, you get married really young, you have a baby, you stay at home, like you've quit your job. That was like, there was no options. And when I speak to her and she like watches us and she's obviously enjoying it, but also sees how much of a world we have like we've on the one hand there's so much to fight for but I also think we've got to make sure we enjoy all the progress that's been made for us by the people in the past and like yeah and I also I completely agree with that and I also think that there's this problem um which I've observed like having been doing the activism stuff in that like people are constantly not everyone but like there are always going to be people who are going to try and catch you out for like Mm. not being good enough feminist or not being like green enough or because they once you start talking about this stuff in a public way people think that you have to live this life full time it's like completely embodied in you and I'm just completely against that like I can be um an activist for parts of the week but then sometimes I want to get on a plane and go on a nice holiday and lie by a beach you know what I mean like and not feel bad about it so this is exactly my on Instagram like you're supposed to have like a niche and my what I'm trying to make my niche is I'm not going to fucking do anything perfectly so I'm going to shop less from fast fashion and I'm going to buy more charity shops but I'm not going to not buy anything yeah and I'm going to be like talk about feminist issues but sometimes I'm also going to do stuff which maybe is problematic because that's what being a human is and I refuse to like and have you been kind of called out for things all the time really but it actually makes me stop talk so there was a point where I was kind of talking about it loads and then I couldn't be asked because it's that you're right basically and I spoke about it with Jess Phillips but the minute you start trying to push against a system what people who can't be asked for things to change is they'll be like well you either do 100% or I'm not going to respect you and because you have to keep fighting it makes you actually back down and then everything stays the same so you have to just keep it, it is true, though. Yeah. I don't talk about it as much. Like, on my podcast, I do, but, like, on Instagram, where it's, like, immediate reactionary stuff and people can comment, I, it's very Because it's very, very invasive. It yeah. is. And, like, I mean, I get it to such a lesser scale, but, like, I, I just hate the fact that, like, someone can message you and then you're having a perfectly nice day and then you see a message like that and then suddenly your day yeah. is ruined or you feel shit. And, and it's odd because... And also it doesn't matter, but say there's someone who's literally doing everything really problematic and really wrong and no one says anything, but say you're someone, again, like you said, who said, oh, I'm not going to use, like the amount, like the hate, awful messages I got once because I had a fucking plastic straw. I was out with my mum for an apple spritz. They brought me, what do you want me to do? I didn't no, know. No, joking. They were like, you should have asked. I was like, I don't own the restaurant. They were like, you should know, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm just trying to enjoy a drink with my mum. It got so fucking like angry. And I'm like, don't have a go at me because I actually do, like, I use a menstrual cup. I have a reusable coffee cup. I don't buy water. <clears throat> like, there's so many things that I do. Well, that's what I mean. And it's like with someone like the Kardashians because oh they God. don't ever try it. They're not saying that they're doing that. People don't feel that they sort of can call them out like that or they don't care as much. I think it's just people wanting to find, like, failure mm. in other people. It's It's been interesting with the Women's World Cup because... We interviewed Gabby Logan and she said this thing which I thought was so interesting about when they released the figures for like how many people had watched the England matches in the UK, loads of people would come out and be like, well, that's not as much as how many watched the Men's World Cup and like, that's not even that many and why did I see loads of empty seats? And it's just people want women's football to fail. It's like, why do you care about whether or not people are watching the Women's World Cup? Like, 
what job is it for you to care? You're not benefiting from that in any way. But there's just, that's just the thing today. Yeah, it is just that psychology. It's the same thing with like how a single dad's really hot and a single mum isn't. Yes. Or just all of that same thing of just like women, you can never do enough. I bet you feel like this, especially like in our industries, but I can never do enough. I have a meeting with my management the other day and I was like, I want to be doing that. Like, you've literally got too many things. You can't do anything else. I was like, no, because I don't feel like someone said this thing to me the other day. It's really good. It's called like good girl syndrome where you're like, I want to be doing this but it's not good enough for me to just be paying my bills I need to be like making some kind of like all the time I don't feel like I'm doing enough unless I'm like doing whereas a guy could do half what I'm doing and just be fully satisfied yeah. because no one would question their integrity yeah do you know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah yeah it's really weird but it's interesting because we with Catelyn we spoke last night about like ambition in women and how we are taught to not be ambitious because mm. it's like an unattractive quality yeah. for women to have and I remember, like, I remember when I was younger and a boy, like, basically told me that I was too ambitious and it was, like, ugly to him. Yeah. And that really affected me. And then I was like, well, I can't get the ambition to leave because it's just in me and I just love doing stuff and I, I, I'm i so, like, I hate not mm. doing anything. I can't have a day where I, like, don't do anything yeah, productive. Um, but I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to avoid twats like that because the world is full of them but that's amazing mental because I definitely had that I literally let myself be molded by by especially guys opinions I would literally like m be completely malleable to the point where like it it taught me so much so you have to like do self-introspection and figure out who you are but I am loud and I'm opinionated but just everyone's like favorite insult that like, guy's so oh my god so. yeah and it's like but too why, much why would you not want to have an opinion and also you're opinionated you're telling me your opinion someone of me someone said to me the other day like oh I was like I'm not sure if he doesn't like me and they were like oh no no I think it's just because you like disagree with him and I was like right and they were like well I think he just I'm like, so you go around, I spend my life being disagreed with. Yeah. That's a conversation. Yeah, that's what, what... the fuck? Like, how could that make you dislike? It's weird. Yeah, but I think that's because a lot of men don't actually come across, like, loads of women like that in their or, Yeah, lives. and because as women, even if you are, if you do think like that, you're taught... I even find myself doing it, I have to, like, stop. You know, sometimes you're in a situation where you just start being like, oh my God, yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, what am I doing? But I know. It's almost like a defence mechanism. But that's what was so good. You know, in Love Island, when Maura, was with Tom and yes. Tom said that thing so good um, it'd be interesting to see if she's all bite or not or whatever or mouth yeah and she reacted straight away and I watched that and I was like god I hope that if anyone ever said that about me I'd be able to react straight away like she did because it was just amazing how really she reacted good. to that and she shook his him to his core I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And they just all look like little boys, then. He yeah. just looked like an idiot. He knew as he well. Looked he looked like knew an idiot. What he'd done. Yeah. But I don't. That's the kind of thing. When I was younger, if a guy had said that to me, I would have been like, ha, 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 ha. yeah, like, I wouldn't. Yeah, have, yeah, yeah, I yeah. definitely wouldn't have had that. I might now. No, I know. But at sixteen, especially because of the sex education, I think it's the fundamental flaw. Like I did not know that sex was meant for girls. Like I thought the guy had sex with you, and you were there. 
and you but, yeah, like that and was it was it. like for it, him yeah like it wasn't about female and I think it stemmed and I hate all this argument about like not teaching children about sex as if they're not gonna find out I know it it's ridiculous it's ridiculous why don't we just start teaching them young yeah, and, and together. And teaching like, it in a way that's separating like, boys and girls. Yeah, because sex isn't the porn version. This is what I don't get. Sex, we have a society made it this weird, shameful, that is all conditioning. Nothing about sex is or sexual weird. acts is remotely weird or dirty. Or like, I know, and it's like the one thing in the world that we all enjoy. do and enjoy and we all came from other people having yes, sex. So it's true. like that's how we all got here because our parents banged one time. My parents have only had sex three times and that's such I a like, bought my friend a, a birthday card and it was like, um, your mum and dad shagged. Yeah. And I think it's pretty weird that we're celebrating it. <laughs> such a good card. That's such a good card. I, I love know, it. So good. Um yeah, it's mad. Uh, yeah, so when it comes to, like... So when you do your shows, your parents are there. And does your dad enter into, like, conversations with you about it? Or does it, is it is it always, like, an opinion conversation rather than, like, a... What kind of level of chat do you um, get into? So my comedy is, like, quite crude. It's quite feisty. But it is about, like, growing up in politics. And my dad features a lot. My mum features a bit. And my dad just finds it hilarious because it, it is funny and, like, he just... <laughs> it is funny. It, I must say, it is funny. <laughs> I do make myself laugh. <laughs> Sorry, I've been vaping too much. Um, my dad, and he's so funny, he, like, tries to give me suggestions on jokes and they're just, like, never good. And I'm like, thanks, Dad. I think you should stick to tweeting. When um, when you got into <laughs> comedy, do your friends... From school, like, do you have friends from when you were younger who, and are they all, are you still mates with them or was it like hard to break? Was there any, any difficulty in that arena? No, there wasn't at all. Um, my best friends, like, I've got a group of best friends uh, from school who are still my best friends, and they, like, two of them, Anna and Tyler, literally came to, like, all of my first gigs. Oh, so, for, like, good. the first six to eight months, one of them would come to one of my gigs. I never went alone. So they've been, I mean, all of my friends have just been so supportive. And it's a really nice thing because it makes you feel like they think you're good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they, like, they were all really encouraging. And like, I remember Tyler, look, this is from my best friend who I live with. She made me this. This is a picture from my first gig. Oh my God, your hair's so long. I know. And then on the back, it says the date. Oh my God, that's so cute. A stand-up star is born. How cute that is that? That is really nice. Um, so she came with me to my first gig. So it's so interesting because it sounds like <clears throat> all of your friends, to use a really tired term now, were pretty woke like when you were growing up as well. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Like we, I mean... I wonder if that's growing up in London because I went to a boarding school in Somerset and I just don't think we had a clue. Yeah, I mean, we, we I grew up in northwest London. I went to the local comprehensive school so it was very diverse. It was very mixed and mad and loved it. Like, we, there was just, like, everyone was at that school and you mm. just sort of... Um, so that might have had something to do with it, but I don't know. I kind of feel like it's our age group as well. Yeah. We had so much access to the internet. Um, and then, like, I just grew up in a family who only talks about politics. Yeah, that's so good. So... Like, even though I don't think I'm that clever in politics, I sort of know it from 
having been around it my life. Oh, you'll definitely be so much more aware than I am. I'm aware of it on, like, a very, like, peripheral vision. Like, I understand, like, sociopolitically what I believe, and I understand it on, like, a basic level, but I'm not, like, that aware of the ins and outs. You'll probably intrinsically have a Well, actually, it was interesting. I wasn't until I did politics A-level, and then I learned about, like how it, the voting system mm. works and all the different types of voting systems and ideologies. And, and so that was really good. And I think that should be taught at school compulsory. I think so. At a lower level, because why don't we all know how our voting system works? Along with like taxes and Along pensions taxes. and how to pay bills and stuff. Yeah. So your show is called Why I Would Never Go Into Politics. Yeah, yeah. Why I'm Never Going Into Politics. Would you ever go into politics? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite ironic someone said this to me yesterday this girl I was being interviewed and she was like the title of your show is ironic isn't it and I was like uh, I guess it is because she was like because you're basically in politics because yeah. you're an activist and I was like yeah but I wouldn't say I am in politics like what I the, what I love about doing comedy is in comedy you can talk about whatever the fuck you want mm. you can talk about sex masturbation drugs you can say anything you want and you have the freedom to do that if you're in politics you do not have that freedom and i am someone who likes to say what they think when they think it well you say that but donald trump very much talks about his sexual endeavors that's true uk politicians but are talking women about coke they've done. cannot get away with it no. so boris johnson's a really interesting one at the moment because he's obviously about to become our next prime minister and he has gotten away with so much stuff, like some of the things he's said mm. and done, how many affairs he's had. But if that were a woman, there is not yeah. a chance that they wouldn't be vilified by the media and by their opponents. It's just not the same for women. And this is one of the points I make in the show. And also, like, coming back to what we were talking about before, I want to be able to, like, make money and mm. un- unapologetically go on a nice holiday without the taxpayer being like, well, you should be camping yeah. in Cornwall, not going to Ibiza. Like, because that's what politi- politicians have. They they can't enjoy their lives as much. Totally. No, I completely agree with that. And there oh, are things I want to say. But, like, I think that going for politics is going to have to completely change because, yeah. on the one hand, we're going back to really old-fashioned jolly hockey sticks, very weird times in, in, in terms of politics it feels like we're going back in time but on the other hand we all engage as you say with this other form of politics which is everything we do is political we're all voting with our wallets with where we shop with what we're wearing like we, we do a lot of things in the in our day-to-day lives which are yeah. like effect whether that's like working in social enterprises or looking at social mobility or racism like I think we don't really go to work and none of my friends do even who have nine to fives and just sit at a desk do a job and go home like constantly throughout that time there is some kind of social yes impact so i feel like in the future well i just can't see that politics as it is is gonna be no but i completely agree but i wonder i kind of think what will happen first is more like what's happening now where we'll kind of reject it in a way Mm. because if you look at what's happened with brexit ultimately no one's going to get what they want so people that voted leave doesn't look like they're getting what they want people that vote remain doesn't look like they're getting what they want and politicians have just been fanning about for three years now trying to work out how to do it and not really making up their minds and in that time people are like going on with their lives and thinking well what does politics have to do Mm. with me because they they're not they don't seem to be caring about what we want and they just, I just don't, sorry, that's my watch. That's okay. Um, I'll stop. 
And the party system is just breaking down, clearly. Yeah, and and even I don't know. As I'm getting older, I just look at things. And I'm like, how is this? How is this a norm? Like when it does come to politicians, and loads of them did just go to Oxford and Cambridge, or they went to the Bullingdon Club and stuff. And it's like, how has how has that gone on for so long? I know, but I do think obviously it's social media, it's the amplification of voices, it's like increasing. But it's diversity. also because the system makes it so much easier mm. for those people because it's all about being in those elite circles. It's easier for men because childcare is... I don't know if you've been following Stella Creasy has been doing this thing no. about... Basically, there's some... Uh, I, I don't know exactly how to phrase it. There's some, like, little thing in the rules in the House of Parliament, which means that women don't get, like, full rights to maternity leave. <sighs> So she's been doing this big campaign on it. But, like, so that it's set up... The lifestyle is set up for yeah, men, really. Because you have to stay really late at night to vote. You travel all the time. You're in two places the whole week. I don't know if you spoke to Jess Phillips about this. But as a mother, it must be really hard, mm. which which kind of singles out a lot of women who don't have children um, or who have children to not be able to do, to have that career. So that's one thing. There's not like much freedom. The House of Commons is so outdated. They're currently renovating it for like two billion pounds to look exactly the same. So I just think we've got this like we're preserving something mm. that doesn't feel like it's going to be fit for purpose for us. And it'll be very interesting to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, I think I think when you dig into it more, it is that right? It's the preservation of the culture. It's never. It's not really about even making good decisions. It's about men being able to be like, huh, huh, and go for their drinks after work and pinch girls' bottoms. What was that thing that came out about them having that club where they were all like, do you know what I'm talking about? The bullying didn't, no. No, you know, it, literally the same thing happened in the crowd. I was watching The Crown and there was like this thing that they go to and they all kind yes, of like... Yes, I remember. And then at the exact same time, like something came out in actual politics where there's like... In real life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, remember that? I remember this. And it's just things like that happening where you're like, all we're doing, sustaining, really, is just like a massive private members club. For really totally, rich totally white men, and they just hang out. They've been hanging out since they were at Eton. They, but Bre it's like Brexit has. It's been a feud from when they were all like at school. You know, like yeah. Michael Gove, Boris Johnson, David Cameron, and George Osborne have all known each other since they were at school together, and they've all had different beefs, and they've all wanted to be prime minister. That's what this is all about. It's ridiculous. They've all wanted to be Prime Minister. None of them care about the country. No. And what drives me mad as well, it's like, I've got this stat in the show, which is that 32% of politicians, of MPs, went to private school, while only 6% of people in the country went to private mm. school. And 33% of politicians are women, while just over 50% of people in this country is female. And... I hate the fact that time and time again we have people who went to private schools deciding how the state school system yeah. works because they have not been in the state school system. They don't know what it's like. So if we actually had people in Parliament mm. who know what these what the public services are actually like to go through, it would be so much better. And Michael Gove has just fucked up the state mm. school system. Like, he's left so much damage in terms of, like, academies and he's changed the way that... We do exams now and there's no coursework. Like, he's really fucked it up. And that's just come from a place of privilege. And he's just not... I don't think he's got the right to make those decisions. I find the private school, state school thing really interesting because I went to private school and it was fucking amazing. But then, on the one, on the one hand, I'm like, when I have kids, I don't, I don't want private schools to exist. Like, I'd want 
I want everyone to have the same access to education. But when everything's so unfair, if I can afford it, this is one of those like weird feminist black holes you go into where you're like, do I make a decision based on like what's better for me or what's better for the wider society? And I think on a whole women, and there's so many statistics about this, do make choices rather than based on what's going to individually benefit them. They make Mm. a decision based on like either their family or large group or like wider society. And the thing is, private school is, it is ridiculous. And you do get, like, it just gives you, even if it doesn't give you amazing grades, it gives you stability to just, like, network and... Yeah, talk. but, like, I just think, like, Dua Lipa went to my secondary school and look how successful oh, she Oh, yeah, is. no, I'm not saying that it makes me more successful. I'm just saying that I... If... Uh, this is the thing that's hard. If there was, like, a good state school, obviously I'd send my kids there. And I, I don't think that private schools are good but then on the other hand I know that like I had an amazing time do you know what I mean I just think ultimately that period in your life I just want my children to have a good time and be happy I don't think you need to spend loads of money for them to have amazing resources and networks for that to happen I'm feel so like privileged to have gone to a state school because the amount I learned about diversity and other cultures from being at the school I went to, I think it kind of did put me ahead of other people by the time I finished. Um, And that's more important to me, to be honest. No, I totally agree. I think there's so many things you completely get blindsided and I've had to like learn retrospectively. But then when it comes to like some state schools and like the overcrowding and as you're saying, like it's been... The, the sad thing is, is it is again with everything it's this polarity it's like you have the one hand where there are these these state schools where the teachers are getting paid pittance and there's tr- trying to fit like 50 kids mm. into a class and people children who in a different circumstance would be really academic but they can't even like hear the teacher like do you know what I mean I just, just think like, send your kids to a state school and then pay a bit of money for them to have a tutor like if you want them to do that well the problem at the moment is that the private school system perpetuates the class system. Yeah. It is everything that's wrong with this country, in my opinion, um, because it's where a lot of the problems that we have in politics now begin. Um, if we all went to the same schools and if more middle-class people sent their children to state schools, it would mean that the government would invest more money into yeah, these that's schools. True. So that is a huge problem. Um, and this is what my mum does. This is like her big kind of, thing is campaigning for this and Toby Young is her nemesis it's so interesting because what the reason I went to private school is my dad's parents funnily enough my dad is a Brexit voter and his parents are immigrants as are my mom's parents and they are just classic and <laughs> for they to them the best way to integrate and become like part of this or like do really well was to earn money and send your kids to private school like so for my dad it, it was like a it wasn't like an old money gentry thing it was like a prove, proving of himself as being like a mate and that's what's so like interesting about it is people working do you follow the sunflower and yeah she talks a lot about how she especially as a black woman would want to send her children to private school because she wants to access that that elevated privilege that she feels like fundamentally as a black woman she would never have access to and that's the opposite of what I'm doing I'm like come from so much privilege I think it's actually wrong and I'm going the other way and like, I want my children to go to state school I want it to be more integrated and so what's what's interesting is like we're never going to agree but I don't know. I, f- I find it really interesting when she talks about that. Do you, have you seen yeah. her talking about yeah, that? Yeah, I have seen her talking about it. I mean, I have loads of people who, who are, you know, are of that opinion, um, you know, because I understand that that's like a kind of different argument, mm. I think, when race comes in because they're also like, it depends what 
area you're from and sometimes people in particular areas want to send their kids to private schools so they can avoid getting into gangs yeah. and that kind of stuff um so it's a kind of never-ending conversation I just think that when we talk about politics, we need to remind ourselves that the fact that Boris Johnson is about to become the next unelected prime minister does come back to elitism. Totally. And the fact that we're in this cycle of just always having these same people that went to these same schools getting into power. And, like, Tony Blair went to boarding school. Like, they're all... Mm. Ed Miliband went to Haverstock, which is a state school around the corner from here. But a lot of them, they're privately school educated and it doesn't send great signals to the rest of the country who might want to go into politics but think oh I'm not posh enough or I didn't go to Oxford or Cambridge that's why I think Jess is just amazing, amazing at the moment yeah no. she's really getting her her voice out there I totally agree but yeah no the school thing is really interesting I, I can't actually get my head around how the Boris thing is even happening and, and again mm. with the conversation even about like the the um Oh my god, what are they called? What's um, Farage's party? Oh, Brexit party. Yeah, how that guy was making rape jokes at Jess Phillips and was like still a politician. I don't know who the people who are the people that don't think that's an issue. I don't I don't know them. Yeah, they're outside of our bubble. That's the thing. Um, we are in a very metropolitan liberal mm. bubble. I think in London, like I haven't met anyone in London who voted Leave in the referendum leave London and you do meet more and more of them but in London I don't know anyone who voted leave uh, which tells you how polarised it is Mm. because leave won so like London is just a very weird place for that you know however the thing that's really worrying me at the moment which is happening in London is this anti-semitism in the Mm. Labour Party like that's just I don't know if you saw but there's Panorama did a thing last night. I haven't no. actually watched it yet, but all about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, and that's just happening like everywhere, which is just what really what, do we, scary. What's, what's been the catalyst for that? Because I don't even remember growing up that anti-Semitism just wasn't something that was on my radar. But I say that, and we definitely, even I was guilty of making my microaggressions towards my Jewish friends without knowing. Just like yes. really stupid comments. Yes, but I think um, Corbyn's politics has legitimised anti-Semitism because he's very pro-Palestine and obviously a lot of it stems from that but the problem is is that from which is from what I've interpreted a lot of people who are pro-Palestine it means that they're they like hate all Jews but it's like no you can like hate the state of Israel but not like all Jewish people do you know what I mean but I think people have that thing where the easiest way to conceptualise sometimes is just to put things into boxes and make everything a monolith and I think this is yes and and, and Jewish people have always been like stereotyped and they've always been really really like dangerous worrying uh stereotypes of them and it's just scary because Mm. of everything that they've been through like it just sorry that's my headphones it terrifies me yeah um that this is happening in the Labour Party and that they've been trying to cover it up. Well, I went to Budapest not that long ago. And my, that's where my granddad was from. And um, I just went to the the um, Holocaust Museum. Mm. And I was, like, reading all the history of what had happened. And I hadn't really realised, like, how far back it went. And, and then, then you're right. So when you look at where, like, the way that we talk about Jewish people now, 
And like in that recent history, that's just happened. It just seems so crazy. I find it very weird that we have this collective ability to like, like collective amnesia. Yes, totally. As if like things haven't happened. Well, it's like, especially with the EU, the reason the EU was made was because after World War Two, we wanted something that would be able to mean that we couldn't have a war again, basically. Yeah. And we've forgotten that, you know, in this whole Brexit conversation, we've forgotten that this came from one of the most tragic things to ever mm. happen in the world. That's why we founded the EU. That's why we're part of the European Union, so that we don't get into situations like this again. And you're right, there is a lot of people who have this collective amnesia and have forgotten that. But the other thing about the whole Brexit thing, just, I just don't get it, it's like protect our borders, but we also live on an island. Yeah, <laughs> so I, know. I just don't get it no it's paranoia it's to like so the craziest ridiculous. extent they've got mad they, they just have like mad theories i think it's just what it's shown is that for a very long while a lot of people didn't really know what they were doing and then when people like trump come out and he kind of i guess was like the, the starting voice of this like control thing it's just speaking a language which people get and it sounds emotive and everything we do is based on emotion like that's why Everyone always trusts their gut. Yeah, definitely. So when you hear something that's really emotive and powerful, and if you haven't had access to education, that's the that's the fundamental flaw with the education thing. But it's why it works if you are privileged and white and whatever else, because you always get Captain Miranda. This she was like, "What politicians make you do is they make you punch down." so that you don't look up to see what's mm. happening. So they create a problem. So if you're working class, blame the black working class. Mm. If you're um, if you're black working class, blame the new immigrants coming mm. in. So you're constantly looking at what's going wrong below you and never actually realising that what they're doing is if you can't have access to education, you can't properly understand the politics that's going on. So you're obviously going to go for the bumbling Boris who's making claims that sound useful to you and your... This is why it's it's not by accident. No, and not at all. The education thing, I remember learning about like how how impoverished, because I did grow up in a really privileged way and wasn't really aware of, because I lived in the countryside as well, you don't see homelessness and stuff as much either. So when I like, learned about how, and like the whole thing with like other countries are impoverished, but the UK has got so yeah. many problems. And then when you see it, you're like, how are we just walking around and letting this exist? Like obviously I always think, coming back to your point as well, is... The answer, whenever I try and do like a thought experiment, I'm like, it comes down to education every single time. If we could just educate everyone to the same standards, it would help with the environment because young girls would be educated about contraception. Totally, totally. It would help with, ha- like, everything it, would be improved. It's like one of the best ways that we could create a true, like, equal society. But not, but people don't, the problem, the thing that's really hard to have get your head around is people some people don't want that which is why because to me I, I agree it's like the voting system though like the voting system is set out so that it's easier for like the Tories and main parties to succeed but independents would never have a chance yeah of doing well um the fact that we really should let 16 year olds have the vote but the Tories are never gonna do that because they won't vote for them you yeah. know it's like they don't want to give away power um so I think the one of the things for me, which I'm like optimistic about, is that I think there are so many amazing people in like public life today yeah. talking about all of this stuff. And, you know, what we need is kind of more and more people, especially men, coming out and talking about toxic masculinity yeah. and feminism. That's one thing. And then just more and more people coming out and talking about like state school education and what we need because that has real power we we saw that with the free periods protest like we got people like Adjua, mm. Boa and Suki, Waterhouse and 
uh, Tanya Burr and like just all these like really cool kind of like famous young women to come to the protest and speak about period poverty and politicians listened because mm. they, they want to be cool. That's the thing. Politicians like want to be cool. They yeah, want to so get true. what young people want. They just like don't know how. So if you make a cause seem like it's something that will, will get them more support and votes from young people. Because I think like what suddenly is happening is like people our age are going from being young to adults. Yeah. And <laughs> that is generally how it yeah, works. Yeah. <laughs> but so that they're, they're, we're people they've never cared about yeah, in terms of like so voting. They've never cared about what we think. You know, like the tuition fees going up oh. was a really good example of that. But now we're like starting to make money, doing our careers in different ways. And we will be a huge part of the demographic that mm. votes. So if they want to, like, get with it, then they can start listening to us. But it'll be a real... I think we're going to be watching a very interesting period in our lives in terms of politics. I think this, and I, I actually even said this to my boyfriend the other night, because if you watch Years and Years on the BBC... I'm halfway through it. So it's unbelievable. It's, but it's so dep- it makes me cry and really, like, feel quite see, stressed. See, I haven't gotten to the point where my flatmate was like, I don't think you should watch it, just, it right now. It You're just, too anxious. Yeah, it makes me quite overwhelmed. I watched it when I was a bit drunk one night because I'd been out for drinks and came back and watched it and I couldn't stop crying. And my boyfriend really? was like, chill. But it, because it feels really close to the bone. Yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. So real. See, yeah, it seems that way. And we watched like the last episode. It's it, not like Black Mirror. No. Do you know what I mean? Like it, Black yeah, Mirror is so far This is like our reality Basically. Yeah, and I looked at him and I was like, "Do you think it, we're always going to feel like this?" And he was like, "What?" And I was like, "I, I just do feel like there's a low level, like kind of. I don't have anxiety, but I do have a low level all the time, just thinking like something's going to go wrong." Happen. And I, I really want to know if every generation, because I do think when you're in your twenties, everything is like. I think when you're like a child, a sixteen like teenager, everything's heightened personally. Like everything's about you and like your sexuality and your friendship. And then I think you get to twenties and everything becomes heightened. Externally, and then after that, you tend to have kids. So I think you get more distracted. But I think this age is very like, <gasps> yeah, agreed, agreed. I think it is a very weird age, but I also think we are living in a really weird time. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like all time, you know, I can imagine living through like the sixties, seventies, eighties. That must have been mad. The nineties was like everyone was really happy, and everyone's now quite nostalgic for it. But we are living in what feels like a bit of a dystopian mm. reality. Um, and it does feel like at the moment things keep happening, which make me feel like we've really not progressed at all. Yeah, but then on the flip side, then we have this whole other, like our side of it, and like these conversations, like the fact that we can even sit here and do I know. a podcast and broadcast it to tens of thousands of people talking about wanking. I know, it's is, true, is it's mad. true. And I think it is that weird polarisation. Um, okay, we'll come off the deep stuff and we'll like come to an end, but last thing, talk me through your favourite Love Island um, characters okay characters, people okay so Maura yeah love her still loving her I mean I haven't watched last night's episode oh, so no, I haven't watched last night but I don't know if I believe that she actually fancies characters same uh, my theory with this which I've stolen from Kat Lim Ram is <laughs> my new best friend <laughs> we're actually best friends now okay. it's official yeah I'm gonna get her name tattooed um so my, so her theory which I've stolen is that Curtis is from a very showbiz family mm. and he sort of when he went in there, he was like, I want to just win. So he picked Amy, who will, it seemed like we have a very sweet mm. relationship, blah, blah, blah. But then there was a thing where 
they it was like that tweet game that they play and basically they found out that the public don't think they're, oh, a, compatible yes, relation, yes. they're a compatible couple and that they have any sexual chemistry. That's as soon as when he went off her and now Maura knows that they're both big characters in the villa and that so they'd be a good couple right, because so they've it's... got like a good public following basically. I think they have no sexual chemistry. No, and they don't make any sense whatsoever. No. I got told something, but you know how everyone knows someone who's a producer on Love yeah. Island? Yeah. <laughs> everyone knows someone. So I got told that apparently the reason that he was told to do that with Jordan was because Amy was getting loads of hate on Twitter and the producers were like, you need to, like, put Amy back in public favour. So, like, is there anyone you fancy? And he was like, mm, Jordan's okay. And they were like, act on that. I don't believe that. No. I don't believe that because I just don't think he ever fancied Amy. No, I thought... He basically thing. admitted it to I, her face. I, he used to... It was the way he used to talk to her. It was like, you're the most amazing... Yeah, like, he calls her a good girl. Yeah, you're so talented. Also, not to be rude, but what is talented? Like, yeah, I no, know I know. what the talent is. She's an air hostess. She's, like, lovely. But if she was She's doing, lovely, but... but talent is a really specific Well, word. it's that he doesn't know fancy her. Say, so yeah. he doesn't know how to... He doesn't want to say, you're incredibly sexy and I, like fancy you so much and I thought the coffee thing what was the coffee when thing? she was like you don't in the morning like you don't <gasps> hug oh my me God, and she was like because I've got to make everyone's but coffee but also that's really problematic know your boundaries if you like if you go to someone who says that you need to realise that they are a fucking people pleaser yeah. and that's not good but also that they don't fancy no. you if someone doesn't want to cuddle you in the morning no, like so true. why are you with them but did I you feel see, sorry for her. I do, because I noticed that she was like, you could tell that she was like losing weight really badly. Yeah. I was thinking like, did she look, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. And then there was literally, I shouldn't go on there, but I can't help myself from reading TV and shows in the Daily Mail. <laughs> it's a really bad habit. I really bad. Yeah, I don't do it in public. I don't do it on the tube. No. On the tube, I only read The Guardian. And then <laughs> in private, I'm like, TV and shows And then accidentally, sometimes I read the words. It's meant to be just for the pictures, but right, I do right. fall The words are awful. Awful. Um, but basically, it was, I think, that was another thing they were saying, like the producers, I think she was like pretending we had to eat and I think it was for her mental health. But that was really sad. Do you think, I, I don't think we'll be on next year. Do I do. Do you? I think, I think, so this year I was like, am I going to watch it? Am I not? So I, I think this year's it. been great. Same, but then it got to the point where it gets more serious and suddenly thought, God, actually, when you read Twitter and also how you react to it, I do actually think this is actually a bit like The Hunger Games. It is, yes, it is, it is quite ridiculous. Freak. Like I actually, I really enjoy it, but watching it now with a slightly bit more of my head switched on, I am a bit like I know oh, I because don't also know. like there's just been so much juicy stuff mm. this year. Like I love Ovi and I love the like public support that Ovi's getting. Do you, I, following I, I, this? Yeah, no, yeah, everyone fancies him, but I don't really get it because he hasn't said anything. No, he's so funny. Is he? he? Do, yeah, he does all these weird like when Anna dumped him, he went and like lay did you see this like sucking on a popsicle oh, he yeah. just doesn't give a shit yeah. like he's just not really trying to couple up with anyone it's quite joke yeah that is funny um yeah it's interesting that it's a really good point about like the hunger games vibe of it it has been very intense this yeah year. and i think twitter is like everyone was being like oh my god we need to be really careful about everyone's mental health and the next breath they're just bitching about and it I is know. like i i would not be able to deal with and i also wouldn't i love reading bad reviews like i hate it but i really like reading criticism about myself i've got this weird sadistic no see, thing I where I, I can't ignore it like i want to know but then i was still see but I, what i think they clearly have been good at is like i think the reason they got rid of joe um, earlier on was because him and yeah, Lucy were in like a toxic situation I think they probably made Amy leave yeah so I think they're probably being better they're at making stuff in place yeah making sure that people who like aren't in the I mean what happened to Sharif we still don't really oh know. yeah well apparently he um 
called Amber a lighty and they said that that was racist and she said that she didn't care because people call her that. But I don't know, it's an interesting one as yeah, well. Yeah, because I, I thought it was because he like kicked Molly May in the vagina in a play uh, fight. No. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I heard. Someone else said it was because he did a poo in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many rumours. So I heard he bought coke on the beach. When are they going to the beach? They go down to the beach when oh. um, the people film the like shots of the villa. You know when they're filming the shots, right. they go down and just hang and, out at the beach. Um, final question, who is your couple to win? Um... It, like, it, obviously, at the moment, it can only be Tommy Fury yeah. and Molly May. I would love to see Amber mm. find someone because I love her. I think Michael's such a dick now. I Michael's really, horrible. I thought he was amazing. He's the classic. I've had ex-boyfriends like him. Yeah, gaslighting. Yeah. Like, it was horrible to watch. Yeah, really awful. Really horrible. And him and that girl have, like, no chemistry. No. It's really bizarre. So I want Amber to, like, move on and stop thinking about him. And I really want her to meet someone because I just love her. And I've, yeah. she's been my queen since she's, the beginning. She's got really good sense of self. She's got, yeah. really knows who she is and have like really funny, really interesting personality. Yeah, I love you know her I, mean? I really like her confidence. Same, I Even, love her. She's a bit like random, but I love it. She's so Same. quiche. <laughs> Same, I love her. Amazing. I wish her and Ovi would get together. That would be... Yeah, but dream. I don't... Would you think they'd be good together? I kind of do because they're both so funny, but... Yeah. Can't force it. No, we'll have to see. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank for you on. for having me. I feel like we've gone all around the house yes. and had all the chats. <laughs> um, if people actually, I fucking love your Instagram name. It really cracks me up every time. Um, you can tell people. What My it is. Instagram is Disgrace Campbell. I just think it's so clever. I literally look at it. I'm like, that's so. Smart. <laughs> I love them. Like so many twists and twists. I know. I'm never gonna so lose funny. it. If someone offered me Grace Campbell, I'd be like, No, no it's so good. It's I, love so, it. I literally, honestly, I was like, That's very smart. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, it took a while. If people want to find you anywhere else, um, on Twitter, I'm Grace Campbell, and then I'm doing two shows. When will this come out? Uh, this Sunday. Oh, great! I'm doing two shows. Um, on the 24th and 26th of July, and they're my final London previews of my show, Why I'm Never Going Into Politics, at the Seven Dials Club. And then I'm going to Edinburgh, and my show will be at the Gilded Balloon every day at 3.15. Wow, thank you so much. And um, oh, you. if you want to listen to Grace's podcast, it is... Football, Football feminism, feminism, and everything in between. Highly recommend it. It's one of my new faves. Thank Thanks, you. guys. See you next week. Bye.